One of the tricky things about an eating disorder or eating disorders in general when I was studying psychology is that unlike most illnesses where you get a sore throat or a pain and the illness is bad, eating disorders are often viewed as a positive thing by the person suffering from them, especially when they're, so, um, they're having a better diet and they're working out more and they're super concentrated on food and it actually feels better and that's why it's so hard to actually catch and treat. In the same way, I want to talk about something that can be a bit of a disorder at times today, which lurks and is hidden because it seems positive, which is people-pleasing. So this is episode 71 of the With Joey B podcast. We're talking a bit about friendship at the moment. We've been talking about that since episode um, 65, roughly. And today is a discussion about people-pleasing because people-pleasing is something I've been super guilty of um, in my life, becoming slightly better at it. And it can often, it seems very, well, you think of those people as super nice people. And there are some genuine, amazing, super nice people. A lot of the time, those people have started out as people pleasers. It's not necessarily all bad. The symptoms are quite pleasant for everyone else to deal with usually. But it can be a real, or can be very debilitating. Especially because it doesn't come from a healthy place at times. And so, I guess, in a similar way to an eating disorder, uh, which often stems from a lack of control, people-pleasing, on the other hand, feels very positive for the person experiencing it at times and also from the outside. Often it can come from, I guess, an insecurity and a need to be accepted by people. And so it's that worry of offsiding people, always trying to maintain being liked and accepted in many situations. I think for me, because uh, at an earlier time, I became very interested in, I guess, b having more friends at school and uh, be being more widely liked and appreciating friends, so, uh, appreciating contact with people so much when I did feel lonely as a teenager, as a classic kind of forlorn teenager. I think that planted this seed of obviously wanting to be liked as much as possible by as many people. As a result, I've got some plenty of amazing friends these days. So again, the positives are still there, but then it hasn't always been the, the healthiest place. So I guess let's talk about, if we think about it as a little bit of a disorder at the moment, and I don't want to be too doom and gloom about this, think about what the symptoms would be. So some of the symptoms, okay, so again, I can relate very personally. So being obligated to send generic happy birthday messages and Merry Christmas messages. It's just been Christmas and New Year here. So um, that's that's very top of mind at the moment. Uh, being very conflict avoidant. So going to great lengths. We, are, we all have a basic conflict avoidance in us. Well, some of us, and there's some people who, who kind of seem to like conflict and they have probably the opposite problem. Um, but really, I guess, really aversive and, and uh, to, to your own detriment conflict avoidance, not being able to say no and an addiction to yes is a very big one uh, for me you know at, at different times having to go to every event I've been invited to for risk of upsetting people and I know so many people who do themselves to death uh, in, in the Lebanese uh, Australian community which is my, my background um, there's so because well, it's such a big community there's a there's a plethora of funerals and weddings and so many events to always go to. So people struggle to opt out of those events because you're worried about upsetting and offsiding people and creating a bad image of yourself in the community. It can be debilitating. You end up spending half your life at funerals and wakes. Um, another one you can notice on social media very often, which I've picked up on, is people who like 
and also comment very regularly on everything. You can kind of measure it that way. Likes are a very basic level, but people need to comment a lot on your stuff. Uh, that's that's another big indicator. I mean, social media is commenting and liking and very generic stuff is, is pretty pointless anyway, unless it's, unless it's well-intentioned and clear, which comes to my next point. Excessive, vague, and empty praise. So this is one of the reasons I love the podcast, one of the reasons I... Even though it's a bit of work, I think of keeping up with this daily format. I just love it. It's such a filter because if you want to just be a people pleaser supporting Joe um, doing the podcast, man, there's no way if, if you're not really interested in the podcast and listening to every episode or catching up on them or however you listen to it, there's no way you're going to do it just to be, uh, you know, to praise me and, and, and um, be like, uh, be, um, yeah, supportive if you're not actually into the podcast. And like, who cares? Like, don't give me praise. I don't really, I don't care. I want people who are interested in this. I want people who are interested having the conversations. And I've had, uh, you know, a few people at the start, oh, I'm so excited for the podcast and all that, but weren't talking specifically, weren't talking in specifics about what they were interested in. And I knew from the outset, just because of experience, I knew those people were not going to be actual engaged listeners. It's super interesting, right? I knew that there'd be people who would be more interested in listening who hadn't heard me talk about it, hadn't talked about it with me before the podcast launched. Because those people would find it out of genuine interest. They would actually resonate with the ideas being talked about. They would relate to them. They were at the right time for certain messages to sink in. And that was, uh, and it's interesting, it's kind of played out exactly like that. So the excessive praise is a really interesting one. So people would just praise you for the sake of it, but they're never specific about what they liked about it uh, or something you did. And even you can catch yourself doing the same thing. You can audit messages you send people like, so proud of you, so proud of you following your dreams, stuff like that. Very vague, very bullshit, right? Very hollow. These are all the symptoms, right? So don't be ashamed if you're, man, I'm guilty of everything I just listed there. So certainly don't be ashamed. Certainly not a, not a, I really, I really don't look at many disorders um, as, as if there's a hard line there. It's like you got it or you don't. We all sit on this spectrum and we sit on this spectrum for good reason, right? We, going back to all the astro, the dog stuff and the tribe, you want to fit into the tribe, right? So when someone, you know, the classic is when someone asks if they look fat in these jeans, you say no, even though you think you do because you're trying, you think it's a harmless little uh, white lie and you want to fit in, you want them to feel comfortable. It seems like the best thing to do. And that's why we have this. We want to fit in with the group to some extent. So you only really want to call out bullshit when, when the situation really demands it. But yeah, you come back to this people-pleasing. So when is it a problem? So it's like, when on this threshold is it a problem? And I think it is when, going off my own experience, it forces you, well, the, the people-pleasing tendency and drive forces you to compromise and it supersedes the things you genuinely want to do and your, your, your truer motivations and interests. Uh, there's a great breakdown of this i guess there's a great book the celestine prophecy i probably talk about here where it goes through so many amazing things one of the concepts it discusses is c's versus o's as people so c is like half complete and so it looks for another c to latch on to and that's basically like people who are super needy finding each other and reinforcing their neediness and they're trying to get the other person to fill their hole and it's this tension that's inevitably going to collapse because no one can continually give energy to someone else 
That's why people don't like needy people. The alternative is being an O, being a complete unit and person on your own, and you find another O and you form an infinity together. Uh, infinity, not affinity, sorry. But I guess you would have an affinity as well. And I guess the lesson I've learned is when an individual or a soul is hollow, it looks for things to fill it. But none, nothing from the outside, rule of thumb, can fill it forever, can provide sustained fulfillment. This is like Pleasure Treadmill again, uh, episodes uh, 14 and 15. You have to continually top it up. It's like this leaky bucket. I think Liam uh, Hounsell, my good friend, says it's like the leaky bucket. It's always leaking out and you just keep trying to fill, fill things in the top. And it's this continual strain. You never go anywhere. People pleasing can be. That's why I want to kind of flag it because now when there's a phrase uh, and, uh, and clarity around it, you can identify it more clearly in self and others. And... Being clear on it is nothing to be ashamed of. It's uh, certainly, if, if there's defects to have in character, it's certainly one of the better ones to have. But, but it can often linger undetected because it's so good at covering itself up. And it's a, basically it is, that's what it is. It's a mask, but it can also be an addiction designed to get the approval from others when we are hollow ourselves. And what you really want to be doing is not rely on that feedback from others because you're an O whether you know it or not whether you feel like it yet you're an O you're a whole person it's more of a perceptual challenge than a material challenge so in other words the way you think about yourself rather than anything you need to do or acquire materially out in the world or have done things or been with certain people it's more a perceptual thing about how you think that determines this but you think better once you just go and live i think directly so yeah it's it's so to come back to the, the biggest downside is that compromise the energy and it's kind of a lot of effort pleasure treadmill stuff right pleasure treadmill um short-term tactics to get you through the day don't get you through the years and this is not a sustainable the the overbearing pleasure uh, people pleaser sorry it's not have a sustainable wicket. So it's really important to think about that. And it's, I guess, so that's why it's so hard for those people to say no to things. But obviously saying no is super important because if you only say yes, you basically outsource the direction you're going into all those people around you. And this comes back to another thing we already discussed, which is the, the whole you're born in the passenger seat of your life. Other people are driving you around. You know, your subconscious but then also the, the ex expectations and the culture you're in will be more influential on you than you are on yourself by default as a human being. So it's intentional, it's choice, and it's an effort to actually get in the driver's seat and take responsibility. And people pleasing is like responding to every email that comes in, no matter what it is or who it's from. That means you have no control over your day. You're outsourcing your itinerary to whoever has your email address, whoever has contact with you, whatever they ask of you. And that leads you to detriment and compromise on what's best for you and what makes you sustainable. So that's people-pleasing, right? Not so harmless, but it can be, right? It's not the end of the world. Uh, but that's what I mean. The people-pleasing is not a real relationship is the last point. Yet, right? Yet. Again, not all doom and gloom. But your people-pleased relationships, if that's the basis of it, it's I... 
engage in you and make this friendship more than it really is for the sake of pleasing and pleasantry. And I'll, I'll hark on the example of my brother who, you know, almost refuses to participate in happy birthday culture because it seems so disingenuous to him. Uh, you know, because a generic happy birthday message is more about relief and ticking a box rather than actually meaning like, Joey, I'm celebrating you today, the fact that you're in my life. And using the annual, your, the anniversary of your birth as the best way to do that, opportunity to do that. Something I started doing uh, in 2020 was writing letters to people on their birthday, close friends, and it becomes a filter. If someone's not, you know, I can't, I can't write a letter for everyone. So it forces me to be more considerate about, well, who are my true friends? Who do I truly value? And who's more of an acquaintance? Which is fine. But yes, stuff that becomes generic and forced and it's just about ticking a box is when we start getting down people-pleasing lane. And soon you find better ways, better, uh, I guess, outlets for your energy than those things. So, you know, think about that today. Um, how might you be a people-pleaser? Where does that show and pop up for you? And uh, which is fine. Certainly it's the scale. So everyone will have something. Not, they're not necessarily things that need to be removed. But again, writing it down, it's like something I was talking about with my friend the other day, is that when you write something down, it enables you to see it. Because when you're just thinking about it, it's behind your eyes, not in front of your eyes. And you kind of want to see your threats. You never you never deal with a threat best when you're not looking at it, all right? when you ignore it and leave it behind your field of vision. So you always want to get these things in front of you so you can see them all at once instead of mental ping pong. You want to grab the thought, put it on a piece of paper, kind of like the pensive in Harry Potter for any Harry Potter fans. And just be able to look at it and reflect on it uh, when you want. And so, you know, write it down. What do you do? And do you do any of those things I talked about? Do you do generic happy birthday messages and Merry Christmas messages? Which is fine. Everyone else does it, so you think it's harmless. And it might be harmless. So you can decide, do you want to keep that or not? Um, you know, you super conflict avoidant where it forces you into maintaining things you don't really want to do. When you know clearly you're going to be doing something else. Are you crazy about the likes and comments on Instagram and social media? Do you give excessive praise or do you give very vague praise that doesn't talk specifically about what you like? Like, I like this episode of your podcast, Joe, when you talked about people-pleasing verse. Joe, I love the podcast. So amazing. You fill me with courage and the difference between the two. You want to be the first one and you want to receive the first one. So do you do any of those things? It's interesting to reflect on just purposes so you can be more healthy in relationships and relating to people so that's all today for the with joey b podcast on uh people pleasing hope you've enjoyed that uh we'll obviously be back again tomorrow don't forget that uh there's the blog for further resources www.withjoeweeby.com forward slash blog for the blog apart from that just remember that the best way to open a thousand doors for you is to concentrate on opening doors for others and don't do it as a bloody excessive people pleaser. Do it as a very mild people pleaser, genuinely, intentionally, and being specific and deliberate. Thank you very much, guys. I look forward to seeing you again tomorrow.